0: Tonight, if you have your Bibles, would you turn me to Ephesians chapter 2 tonight, Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to talk about a serious subject tonight, very, very serious. Uh, I want to tell you, it's so good to see you here tonight. Man, Kelly and I, we went on a great, had a great little vacation, but it is good to be back. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about something very serious, and it's something I encountered on my vacation. Now, we're talking about the four points of the cross. Now, the first point was forgiveness. How many are thankful for God's forgiveness? Amen. Number two, we talked about the grace of God. How many are thankful for the grace of God? Hallelujah. That's the second point. Well, tonight we're going to talk about something that a lot of people don't like to hear about. We're going to talk about the judgment of God. Woo, that doesn't get that many amens, does it? Let me tell you, I almost had a similar experience to that. Now, I love Kelly. There she is right there. She's beautiful blonde, loves the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are very blessed. You know, we live in a very we have a lot going on in our life with her job and me being a pastor and then being a police chaplain and being on call all the time. So it's just nice where we can just get away. But for some reason, Frank, I can't figure it out. My wife always likes to put my life at risk when we go on vacation at least once. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I would just love it, Shirley, if we could just go and relax. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I just like to eat a lot, lay on a beach, and just get, you know, become a, a beach burn whale or something. But but for some reason, Kelly's got to put my life at the point of death. And I don't know if that's because, you know, we upped my insurance, or what, what might be a tight end on that, or, or, or if she just wants to see if I have a powerful prayer life. Well, i just give you a quick, quick, quick reader's digest of this story. We were gonna go uh, to this beautiful beach, and I thought, oh, praise God. All-you-can-eat food. Do I have an amen? Yeah. Unlimited, beach-access, crystal-clear waters and white sands. Do I have an amen for that? All-inclusive. There's only one catch, Brother Cackley. My wife signed us up that we were supposed to get there on a speed boat. Now, I couldn't understand why we couldn't take the bus or take some little slow pontoon type boat. No, 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 no. Kelly got us signed up so it's a high speed boat in the ocean in Mexico. Okay, so I want you to know something. You know, like you go to our beaches and you see like health towers, and you see medics, none of that was out there. You know what I'm saying? You see like life-saving stations, none of that there. Well, I thought, okay, we'll get on this thing and we'll drive really fast and get there. Well, here's the catch. You go 60 miles an hour out on the ocean with nobody around you, and then the boat goes a complete 360 right out into the ocean. And so that got me a little concerned. Well then, as we were getting in this boat, I started to get some peace. Ron, I started getting peace because they started strapping you in. And I thought, oh, this is really good. You know what I'm saying? Like, man, praise God, strap me in tight, Manuel. Well, you know what I'm saying? Let, let's get this thing tight, baby. And all of a sudden, before we take off, I started wondering, like, if this thing tips over, I'm not gonna be able to get out of this. I, I'm gonna drown upside down in the Mexican ocean with a three-ton boat on top of me. And I mean, I'm starting to get, I mean, I'm not joking. If this thing would have tipped, and you know what I noticed? The two guys driving that boat didn't strap in. I thought, oh, that, what? I mean, I feel like the lamb to the slaughter. And so, and so I'm like, and, and and you know, for, you know, like in America, you know how we do those seatbelts? You just wait, you press a button and release releases, not in Mexico. No, no, no. You had to be a Navy seaman to figure out how to undo this knot. And so I'm like, I'm going to be upside down with a three ton boat on top of me in the ocean. I'm going to have to figure out how to untie this thing. Thank you, Kelly. And so, and so all of a sudden I start practicing how to undo this knot, but I start thinking, wait, 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 wait. I'm, gonna be, I'm not gonna be able to look at it because my glasses are gonna be off. I'm gonna be upside down. So I start closing my eyes. Everybody else, they're just. Into, I'm just closing my eyes, working on it. And I'm trying to make sure Kelly doesn't see what I'm doing, but I'm just working on it. And then I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna be upside down, strapped into a three-ton boat in the ocean with nobody around, and I'm not gonna be able to breathe. So I started holding my breath, closing my eyes, and I'm like... And I'm working on it, and and here's what this guy would do. Because they walk through the boat two or three times. Every time i get that loosened up, that Mexican guy come and just strap me in tighter. Every time, I just about got up and gave him a free karate lesson. I thought, man, if... So we start taking off, and fortunately, the boat engine, I'm praying in tongues. I'm just thinking, because I'm like, This first turn, I I flipped over in a car twice. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I've come off a motorcycle at 40 miles an hour, and I've been in a plane on an emergency landing, so I know that I'm using up my nine lives. This is not beyond the realm of possibility. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ, this boat did not trip over. (laughs) But it really freaked me out. And as I started thinking about that, I really was scared, (laughs) and I was the only person on that boat smart enough to be scared. Let me tell you that right now. (laughs) That's not, Ron, I'm not embellishing this story, that's the truth. Well, tonight, I wanna speak to you about something that's really scary. I already told you, I've I've been through some scary stuff. (laughs) Tipping two cars upside down and motorcycle accident. I've come off a horse. I know some of you are like, I've never riding with Pastor Barry in my life. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about something that is really scary. In fact, I hope you're smart enough to realize it's the most scary thing you can ever face. And it's the judgment of God. God's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a graceful and forgiving God. But many preachers won't tell you the truth. He also is the judge. Now look at your neighbor and say, Don't you judge? Look at him say, I mean it. Look at him and say, I hurt you. Okay, let's find. One of the worst things we can do is we shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't judge people by what they do, what they say, how they act. We're not to judge people, but here's the key: God is and he will. Did you hear me? God is the judge and he will judge. If you have your Bible certainly to Ephesians chapter two, we're gonna look at a few verses here. I've got some horrible news and then I got some really good news. So stay with me, don't leave me on the horrible news. Ephesians chapter two, verses one to nine, and then 13 and 14, feel free to say amen because this passage of scripture preaches on its own. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse number three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath but because of his great mercy for us. Can I get an amen? God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 13 and 14. By now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself, is our peace. I wanna speak to you about the third point of the cross. Really briefly, judgment. Lord, speak to us tonight. I know your Holy Spirit's here. I know he's already done miraculous things. And I just ask you right now to speak to us. Help us to receive your mercy, your grace, and the truth about judgment. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. I wanna to speak to you about just two main points tonight. Number one, before we accepted Jesus, what did Jesus, what did I write down here? Before we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, we were. Point number two, after we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are. So I'm gonna talk about what we were, Number two, what we are. Let's look about what we were. Number one, before we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, we were, number one, we were not alive. We were not alive. Let's look at what verse number one says. This is the judgment of God. Verse number one says this As for you, you were dead. I'm telling you something, friends, without the cross of Christ, We are 100% completely dead. I believe in technology. I believe in science. But science has yet to create something that is truly alive. Science can create robotic technology, but it's not alive, it's controlled by the hands of man. And before we accepted what Jesus did, we were dead. I don't know how death can get any worse, but if you leave this life and don't receive Christ, the death you will experience, we can't fathom it. You know how some people sing and talk about we can't imagine heaven, and I'm so glad, it's like me and Natalie were just totally tracking tonight. We also, we can't imagine, The horrors of hell. Before Christ, we were dead. Let's look at number two. Before we accepted what Jesus did on the cross, look at verse number one one more time. It says, As for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. Number two, we were bound to disobedience to God. You see, before we, you know, when we became Christians, we actually got a choice we're gonna do evil or we're gonna do good. But friends, let me tell you something. Before I knew Jesus Christ, I was bound to sin. So were you. I'm telling you, without the cross of Christ, before Jesus paying the punishment on the cross, man, I'm telling you, we were bound. Uh, what's, what's the Bible say? The Bible says that he came to what? Set the captives free. There is no freedom without the cross. You know people that become addicted to chemicals and and sex addicts. Do you know the number one, and this is scientifically proven, the number one rehabilitation clinic. You know what it is? It's not AA for alcoholics. The number one rehabilitation institute, scientifically, factually proven statistically, is Teen Challenge. And if you don't know what Teen Challenge is, it's a spirit-filled, non-denominational ministry that gets people that are bound to chemical addictions or social addictions and it just immerses them in the word of God. I think, what was that, Bob, 76? What's that percentage rate of recovery? My hearing aid's not in. Like 71%, 76%, 70%. The nearest secular rehabilitation Clinic is not even close, why? Because Teen Challenge puts in the power of the cross. And the reason those people don't, the other, the 30% don't get set free, how many of you know God gives us a choice, doesn't he? You can't choose for your kids. Let's look at number three. So before the cross, before Jesus died for us and we received his grace, number one, we were dead, number two, we were bound to sin, number three. Man, this is a real encouraging message. <laughs> number three, look at verse number two: "You followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air." Now this ain't going to sound good to you, but it's the truth. Number three: before the cross of Christ and what Jesus did and we received that, we were led by the devil. I know that your flesh is not going to like that. That's the truth. I can see that in my family. We've had a lot of good people in my family, noble people, servicemen, war heroes, but we have a long track record of divorce and more serious alcohol addiction. Every male but me. Those were good men in my family, but you know what? They were bound to sin and they weren't led by God. Until my dad broke the chain. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to know something. If you don't receive Jesus, you're gonna be led by the devil. You know why this world's messed up? I read Time Magazine, and the more I read Time Magazine, Dan, it just gets me more frustrated. All the problems in the Middle East, all the problems with the economy, the problems with terrorism, the problems with this, the problems with that, and as I read it, just it just kept going on my mind. The only answer is Jesus. You know, I, I, I believe that we should vote. I believe we should be active. But politics isn't the answer because it doesn't change people's hearts. Only Jesus does that. Politics doesn't heal marriages. Only Jesus does that. Politics doesn't give a person true hope to overcome any obstacle. Only Jesus does that. But before we received his grace, we were led by the devil. Let me go quickly to number four. Look at verse number three. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its thoughts. Number four. We fed our sinful nature. The things that we feed in this life get big and strong. When I look at Pastor Newby, and I see the 35 or 36 years that he's been at our church, and I see how our church is healthy, and I see this building addition, and I see all these great things going on in our church, he's fed a godly life much longer than he's even been here at Crown Point. But he's fed that. Every morning, our senior pastor gets in the word of God. He gets alone with Jesus, and God gets him stronger and stronger and stronger. There are times I hug Pastor Nubia, I feel like I'm hugging Jesus. (laughs) But when we start feeding those things that aren't good, they get stronger, they get stronger. And before we had and received the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood into our lives, all we did was feed that nature. And that's what the problem is with this world. Here's the problem in the Middle East. Here's the problem in the economy. Here's the problem politically. It's a three letter word, S I N. Number five. Lastly, this is scary. One of the scariest verses in the Bible. Look at it in verse number three. I mean, have you ever looked at teenagers and some of the things they've done? You're like, they're not smart enough to be scared. You ever thought that? Some people aren't smart enough to be scared. This scripture could, should scare your little socks off. Look at Ephesians 2, 3. Some of us lived, no, no, no. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the, the, the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Now look at this. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of Wrath. I want you to hear me. Before we received what Jesus did on the cross, we would receive the wrath of God. That's why we invite people to church so they can escape that. That's why we have our kids in youth ministry so we can add to what you're doing at home so we can teach them to escape that. That's why we do things that we do at this church like rain downs and and the uh, officer appreciation and red Sundays and anything that we do car shows is because without Jesus, we are the object of wrath. Now listen to me. If you just hear this part of the message, this is the worst religion in the world if that's all there is. But the good news, this is not a religion, it's a relationship. And the good news is, God, I want you to hear me. Everybody, zoom in on my eyes. God is so opposed to you being the object of his wrath. He is so opposed to that idea. He is so against you receiving his wrath. He gave his son so you could escape. Let me give you the last five things very briefly. So before we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, we were not alive. We were bound to disobedience. We were led by the devil. We fed our sinful nature and an object of the wrath of God. I gotta say one thing real quick. If you've been a Christian very long, sometimes you forget about how sin can take over somebody's life. Kelly and I watched a TV show last night about a young girl who went to an Oklahoma Baptist church or some church. She met a young boy. It was on TV last night. <laughs> I wish it weren't true. She started dating this boy. The parents said, You've got to stop dating. The teenage girl had her boyfriend kill the mom, the dad, and both brothers. You know what happens? It's sin. Okay, so that's all before Christ. And, and listen, all of us are capable of unmentionable amounts of sin. You know what, anybody who acts churchy like they haven't done anything wrong, let me tell you something, don't buy a used car from them. We've all got a closet that we want nailed shut and it can be by the cross of Christ. Okay, so here's the good news. Number two, can I borrow an amen? amen. All right, number two, after we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, this is what we are now. Number one, look at verse number five. God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ even when we were dead. Now, do you get that? When you were dead, God made you alive with Christ. Number one, he brought us into life. He did what no man or woman can do. He created life from that which was dead. See, when a man or woman... When a man and woman come together and they get pregnant, they're not taking something that was dead and making it alive. What God is doing is he's taking something that's completely dead and bringing it back to life. And that's what he does with us. And can I tell you, he doesn't wanna just do that to us. He wants to do that to our jobs. He wants to do that to our finances. He wants to do that to our relationships. He wants to do that to our thought lives. He wants to do that to our ministries. He wants to do that to every area of our life. Any area that things are life-giving, that things are growing, God is into that, and death is always associated with the enemy. Let's look at number two. So after we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, n- number one, we were brought into life, and number two, ooh, look at verse six and God raised us up with Christ. There are certain things that he raised me out of, certain things he's raised you out of, and here's the second point, he lifted us out of the junk and sin of this world. He lifted us out without the blood of Christ, without the cross of Christ, there's no way out, but he lifted us out. Hallelujah, he lifted us out. Anybody remember the old hymn? Oh, this is the old one. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise, hallelujah. He still lifts people out today. And sometimes Christians get into pits. If you're, in a, if you're a Christian, you're one of those pits, he still lifts people out today. Psalm 40, verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet upon a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. If you're here tonight, I want you to know that God can lift you up. Makes me think of that old song, love lifted me. When nothing else could, love lifted me. Thank you, Jesus. Number three is the band comes to play really softly. Number three. So, what happens after we receive what Jesus did on the cross? Look at verse six. Oh, man, I love this, man. Look at verse six. It says, And he seated us with him in heavenly realms. Who did he seat us with? Jesus. Here's the third point He's given us a place of honor. Oh, man. Whew. Given us a place of honor. Can I tell you something? So many times in our church or churches all over this world, we talk about giving honor to God. We talk about giving honor to Jesus. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? But can I tell you something? There are times that God wants to honor us. And here's one of them, one more time, verse six and he seated us with him in heavenly realms. He's given him a place of honor. He's given you and me a place of honor. Number four, oh look at verse number seven. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Number four, after we accepted what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are shown the benefits of serving God. Man, I'm telling you something here tonight. There are serious benefits about serving God. Oh man, I've seen them. I have seen in my life how to use a marriage and not put God first and how to see that break up every time. And then I've seen how to put God first. I've seen how to try to control your life and to meet all the needs in your life. You turn to chemicals and substances and you get all bound up. And then I've seen how to be free. I tell you, I don't want to go back to that. My dad broke the cycle for our family. He broke the cycle for chemical addiction. He broke the cycle for substance addiction. He broke the cycle for marital addiction. And I want to keep that chain going. And some of you here tonight, I want you to know something, that God's given you power to be free from anything. God does not want you bound. He wants you free. If you're here and you're depressed, he wants you free. If you're here and you're, you can't sleep at night because you're worried, he wants you free. Our God, he's a God of freedom. And, and maybe you're here and you screwed up. Listen, he wants you free from guilt. We've all sinned. Man, i tell you what right now. Some of the godliest people I know have made some of the stupidest decisions, but that's what they were and that's not who they are today. I remember what Dr. Westlake used to say, George Westlake, we're not what we used to be or we're not what we ought to be, but we're not what we used to be either. When we receive the cross of Christ, he shows us the benefits. You know one of the greatest benefits is you go through life and don't have to have regrets. Have you had those regrets I have? Regrets of things done when nobody's looking but God saw. Regrets of things you said or did and, Nobody knows, but he saw. But when, you, when you're walking with God, you don't have to worry about regrets. Let me give you the last one tonight. We're gonna close with this. Number five, last one here tonight. So after we accept what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are given eternal life by grace and faith in Christ. Look at verse two, eight and nine. It is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So as we close tonight, there's a couple things I want you to leave with us. There's a real judgment. There is a real hell. It's real. Listen to me, everybody looking up here. If it wasn't real, then Jesus was the stupidest man alive because he gave his life so that people could get out of it. If there was any other way to heaven but through the sacrifice of the death of Christ, then Jesus was the biggest idiot ever. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through me. Acts 4:12 says, There is no name under heaven by which men must be saved but the name of Jesus. I heard somebody say it, Josh McDowell said it, Jesus is either liar, Lord, or he's a lunatic. Thank God he's the Lord. (laughs) So let me give you two things to leave with. So how do you leave? How do you walk this out? Number one, God has brought us near to himself. Look at verse 13 as we close. It says this, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, and that was very young, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. God has brought us near to himself, but we're responsible for staying near to him. Did you catch that? See, God's brought us out, he's brought us near, but now we're responsible for staying near him. Can I tell you, I I, I know the word of God teaches that God will never leave us. Joshua 1, five says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, declares the Lord. But friends, we can lose our salvation. People can walk away from God. God brings us near, but it's our job to stay close to him. I heard a pastor say this once, you're as close to God as you wanna be, woo. Don't shout that brother down. You're as close to God as you wanna be in your life. And my, my, my question to you is, can, can we just make a decision? We're gonna get closer. Let's look at number two. Last thing, how do we live this out? Look at verse 14, I love this. I don't even need to turn there, I've got it memorized. He himself is our peace. Can I tell you when when life, when all hell breaks loose in my life, how do I sleep at night? Ephesians 2.14, he himself is our peace. Let me give you another one, John 14.1. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And so the last one is this. God is our peace in this crazy world, so we need to turn to him for rest. If you want rest, it won't be found on a beach, won't be found on a cruise, won't be found on a vacation. True rest for our lives comes when we intimately walk with God. Would you bow your hearts with me tonight? Lord, thank you that we don't have to face your judgment if we turn to you. Thank you that we don't have to face